Hi everyone, my name is Daniel Cho and I'm the Managing Director of Pathways to Wholeness Lifestyle Medicine Center. Thank you so much for tuning in for this episode of the Lifestyle is Medicine podcast. I'm here with Dr. George Cho, our Medical Director at our North York Lifestyle Medicine Clinic in Toronto, Canada. Hello everyone. So in the next two episodes, we're going to go over the six focus areas of lifestyle medicine. So now just to remind our listeners, lifestyle medicine is the field of medicine that uses an evidence-based approach to prevent, treat, and oftentimes even reverse diseases through lifestyle change. And what these six areas are, are basically the lifestyle areas that lifestyle medicine focuses on. So by changing our lifestyle habits in these areas, uh, you can prevent, treat, and uh, even reverse many of the leading chronic diseases of today. So Dr. Cho, can you share with us what are these six areas? Yeah, for sure. Uh, So the six areas or focus areas for lifestyle medicine are uh, healthy eating, uh, especially uh, a focus on plant-based eating, uh, increasing physical activity, uh, managing stress and developing strategies to to deal with stressors in life, uh, cessation of tobacco, uh, improving sleep and uh, forming and maintaining good relationships. Great. So in this episode, we'll be focusing on three of these focus areas. And in our next episode, we'll look at the other three. So let's dive right in. What is the first focus area? The first one and one of the most important ones are is a healthful eating of whole plant-based food. Right. And I think it's no, um, it's no exaggeration to say that this is a very important area. I'll probably one of the main areas, probably one of the top areas, yeah, that uh, are, is often associated with lifestyle medicine. So first, though, so why plant-based? Well, science demonstrates that generally speaking, uh, plant-based foods have preventative and uh, curative and also reversing effects. Uh, so, for instance, the Adventist health studies they demonstrate that uh, the vegans had a fifty to seventy percent lower risk of diseases like hypertension and diabetes. They had a lower risk compared to even the lacto-ovo-vegetarians, and of course, uh, less of a risk than semi-vegetarians, pesco-vegetarians, omnivores, and so forth. And um, this is with a large sample size, and um, population studies like that demonstrate that vegan diets, whole foods, plant-based diets have a uh, preventive effect on, uh, on chronic diseases. Other studies, like for instance, the broad studies demonstrate the treatment benefits of uh, plant-based eating. So for instance, the the broad studies demonstrates that uh, it can help with treating uh, diabetes. Mm. And uh, the classic Ornish studies, so Dr. Ornish, he did the classic studies where he showed that a low-fat vegan diet, along with other aspects of health like uh, exercise, not smoking, and... um, stress management that these can also together can help reverse and plant-based eating was a big part of that so well, there's a lot of good studies that demonstrates um, why uh, plant-based eating is is um, very beneficial for for people to adopt and uh, we'll definitely include a link to uh, some of these studies in the podcast notes so what makes plant-based foods so powerful yeah that's a great question um I think it's important for our listeners to understand that for many of the chronic diseases of today, the underlying 
pathophysiological process is happening is something called low-grade um, subclinical inflammation. And so this is this uh, low-level inflammation that's constantly there, but then over time, it leads to problems. And scientists are recognizing that that is um, one of the underlying root issues with a lot of the chronic diseases like diabetes, hypertension, and so forth. Well, the thing is, uh, food has a very um, important effect on whether it pr whether promoting inflammation or decreasing inflammation. And it so happens that a lot of our plant foods uh, have an anti-inflammatory effect on the body. So for instance, berries are high in anthocyanins, which are um, and have anti-inflammatory effects. Whereas animal foods and processed foods, these generally promote inflammation in the body. Plant foods are high in phytochemicals. And another important factor as well is fiber. So we know now that fiber is extremely important, especially when it comes to areas of health like the gut microbiota. We're understanding now through science that the gut microbes, these bacteria and these other microbes that live or reside in our gut, they help regulate the immune system, they fight inflammation, or possibly they could increase inflammation depending on the state of the gut, um, they can affect our mood and so forth. And these things, these guys, they need fiber to metabolize and high fiber helps maintain a healthy gut microbiome, which then in turn helps uh, promote health in our body. Also, you know, plant foods are lower in calories generally, yet they're high in volume. So uh, that helps uh, with uh, weight management, which is another um, major risk factor. Obesity or excess weight is another major risk factor for many chronic diseases. While well, plant foods are generally low in calories, whereas processed foods and uh, animal foods, these are higher in calories, higher in saturated fats, cholesterol, and so forth. Right, so with these animal foods, it's not that they're just not as good as plant foods or sort of have like a neutral effect on our body. They're actually detrimental to our health. Yes, yeah, so yes, yeah, so like in, like animal foods, they promote inflammation. They're high in saturated, what we call like, like bad fat, um, bad cholesterol, and even the cooking methods. So mm. we're now realizing that when people uh, process meat or cook meat, that often these promote um, pro uh, create I mean mutagens, carcinogens, and these promote cancer and things like that. We talked about fiber and animal foods have zero fiber. So this is why in North America, most North Americans are chronically low in fiber. Many of us don't even get half our required fiber needs, right? And part of that is probably because we're eating too much processed food. And another part is because animal foods, which makes up a significant portion of our diets for many people, it's zero in fiber. Mm. Yet it still, it promotes inflammation and it's just not the greatest um, thing to eat really now when we say plant-based uh, we of course don't mean all uh, vegetarian or vegan foods right i mean uh, chips oreos many snacks are technically vegan but they're not that good for you that's true that's true um i always get this where uh, people say you know they, they'll point out you know this one vegan that they know that it's really he or she is uh, sick and overweight and things like that. So they, they point out, you know, oh, if you're saying that uh, plant-based diet is so great, then how come look at this person, right? And so what I tell them is, yeah, there's a lot of foods that aren't healthy but are vegan. 
So this is why in lifestyle medicine, the focus area is called healthful eating of whole plant-based foods. Mm. It's with the emphasis on the whole, which means unprocessed, unrefined, right? So it's generally we promote cooking your own food, getting the raw ingredients from the from the grocery store, and you cook it yourself, right? Not uh, try to limit the processed food, and so this will help limit the sugar, the salt, the excess fat, and it's lower in calories. So yeah, we want to emphasize whole plant foods. Mm-hmm. Now, how about these other diets? You know, like the paleo diet uh, that sometimes uh, people say are, uh, you know. Reported to be healthier than the typical Western diet. Why doesn't lifestyle medicine embrace those diets and focus so much on the whole foods, plant-based diet? Yeah, so you know, paleo diet. Uh, the paleo diet is really gaining a lot of publicity and attention. A lot of books are coming out on it. Um, there's a lot of there are many um, well-known figures and vocal people in the media talking about it and so forth. But I think the I think it's important to realize that though uh, paleo diet is good in the sense that it promotes whole foods and tries to shy away from processed food and things like that, that is often heavy on the meat. And we just briefly talked about it before, but uh, the science demonstrates that animal foods are linked with many chronic diseases. And I think more science needs to come out on the paleo diet before we can really strongly support it. So I think that based on the science that we have right now, we can definitely say that eating whole foods, plant-based, uh, free of animal foods, is right now a safe and effective way to to eat to promote health. Now, um, in a nice infographic from the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, where they sort of summarize these six focus areas, under the uh, the, the whole foods, plant-based uh, one. It says healthful eating of whole plant-based foods. So, can you explain to us more about this healthful part? Yeah, it's very important for people to realize that we need to emphasize the healthful eating of whole plant-based food, and I, I think that's really important because not all plant foods are healthy for you. You had mentioned Oreos, and there's a lot of other foods that aren't healthy, like French fries, for instance. Um, so we need to emphasize that people have to eat plant foods, but in a healthful way. And this goes back to eating whole foods, try to limit processed food, try to limit things that come in packages and cans, generally speaking. And even with uh, plant-based whole foods, you have to even watch how much you eat of them, right? So you, uh, you can't just say, since I'm eating whole foods plant-based, I'm going to overeat every single meal, things mm-hmm. like that, right? So we talk about you know, regulating your eating patterns and eating healthful options of whole foods, whole plant-based foods. So I think that's that's really important. But I do want to uh, just add here, Daniel, that, you know, we, we are talking about healthful eating. And, you know, I think for many of our listeners, they might have seen examples of vegans and plant-based people who do unhealthful or, or don't eat very healthily. So they might overeat and so forth. And often this is used to kind of um, attack the dietary pattern itself. So they say, oh, mm. I know vegans who uh, eat unhealthy. And so they use it kind of like they almost insinuate that because of this bad example that somehow there's something wrong with 
a vegan diet or something like that, right?、Mm. And I just want to point out that, you know, a bad examples don't delegitimize that、uh, a certain way of eating, like a vegan diet. Nor does bad examples of vegans legitimize eating animal foods and other forms of eating. Does that make sense? Right, right. Right. So, what we want to do is look at the science, and science says whole foods, whole plant based foods are healthy for you, and we need to eat them in a healthful way. So, there's always going to be people who don't exemplify the best way to eat, even though they have chosen the quote unquote right diet, right? But we can't. Use the, we can't let these people deter us from、uh, choosing a better way of eating. I think it's also important to add that you can't,、uh, we can't generalize as well. A、uh, few、um, people who may say that they're plant based but may not eat the, in the most healthful way doesn't mean that all people who are plant based do that as well. There's many who do eat. In a healthful way. So, we, we want to be a good example. And,、uh, you know, we want to encourage our listeners to, when you are considering to, you know, really dive in and, you know, you can be that, you know, the ideal example, not let, you know, those who may not be living up to、uh, the best way of eating to, to, to kind of hinder us. Yeah, I think, and, you know, you just reminded me of one of the patients that we had recently here at the clinic where I was explaining to, explaining to her the benefits of. Whole plant based foods and plant based eating, and she said something to the effect of, you know, everyone that I know that's vegan is fat.、Mm, and interesting. It was, it was interesting because like, the person that had referred her to the clinic, he himself is a vegan and he's super skinny. Okay. Right?、Uh, he's like, very, very thin.、Uh-huh. But, you know, people generally do like to generalize. Yeah, it's, it's sort of human nature. Yeah, it's part of、yeah. human nature. So it's important for us to kind of. Help people to realize that, well, no, you can't generalize. You know, there are、um, one bad example. You can't just get that and generalize to everyone, right?、Mm-hmm. But it's also important to、uh, point out that for our listeners who are practicing whole plant based eating, that, you know, it is good to, it is important to be an example to others. Right, right. right? So, you know, don't eat l- late at night and binge eat late at night because that's a bad example, right? Don't、uh, eat loads of vegan ice cream just because it's vegan,、mm. right? Because people aren't stupid. They know that there's a lot of sugar in that, right, right? Right. Things like that. So I think it's important to be healthful while still eating whole foods, plant based.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, you know, you, you're a lifestyle medicine doctor. If, you know, can you kind of give us a glimpse, you know, if a, when a patient comes in, what are some, you know, what do you say in terms of try to help them to? Adopt a whole foods plant based eating pattern? Yeah,、uh, well, I guess it, it would all vary slightly depending on, on the individual, obviously. But、so、I'll, give you, I'll be able to make, give you some general things I say to patients. Sure. And that is what I tell people is you know, half the meal,、uh, try to aim for half the meal to be fruits andor vegetables. So I tell people, like, just look at your plate or look at your bowl when you sit down and say, Is half of what I'm eating fruits andor vegetables. Then the other quarter should be whole grains or whole starches. Then the other quarter is plant based proteins. So、uh, this is what I say in terms of like, how to plan a meal.、And、then, in terms of、uh, other ways of eating, other、um, things I say you know, eat a large breakfast, eat, eat lunch, and if need be, eat a lighter dinner. Mm hmm. 
right? Whereas most people, they have that in reverse, right? right? I say, no, you have to eat breakfast uh, and a light, very, very light dinner. And, w- and when I say very light, usually I tell people, you know, maybe some fruit with some nuts, something like that. And then I say, you know, try to space out your meals five to six hours apart. That gives your digestive system enough time to kind of process the food that's already in there before you add another load mm. into the digestive system. So that's a very uh, kind of a general guideline that I give to patients. So half your meals, fruits and or vegetables, the other quarter, whole grains, whole starches, then the other quarter, plant-based proteins. Five to six hours between meals, uh, larger breakfast, never skip breakfast, and a very, very light dinner. Great. So let's uh, let's move on to the second focus area of lifestyle medicine. Can you share with us what that is? Yes, this is one of my favorites. It's uh, increasing physical activity. Yes, and you know I think most of us know that we should exercise more. We've heard it in school and in public health campaigns from uh, doctors, health professionals, even parents maybe. Uh, we know it's good for us, but can you explain why? Why is it good for us? Yeah, you know, um, the science is coming out on uh, demonstrating how powerful exercise actually is. Exercise has, has anti-inflammatory effects on the body. Mm. So what they're, uh, what they're finding out is that when muscles contract, that uh, they actually, um, that, that itself releases anti-inflammatory cytokines, which helps, uh, promote, which helps uh, tone down inflammation in the body. And we had mentioned before that low-grade chronic inflammation is one of the root kind of processes that promote chronic diseases, well, exercise has well, is able to fight that inflammation. Also helps lower fat, uh, which is uh, really important. It, uh, exercise is linked with regulating our mood. Mm-hmm. So when you exercise, especially aerobic exercise, you release endorphins, which helps elevate our mood. Uh, exercise actually promotes a process called angiogenesis, which means the formation of new blood vessels. So that's uh, really interesting. It helps with cognition as well. There's a um, there's a hormone called BDNF, or brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And scientists are demonstrating that even just walking uh, for 12 months can help reverse hippocampal loss or volume loss in the hippocampus, which has huge implications for possibly reversing things like Alzheimer's and dementia, right? So, I mean, there's a, the, the science is really coming out demonstrating that uh, exercise is so beneficial for, for your health. And not only that, but um, there's been studies uh, that showing that exercise is, is like medicine. It can actually help treat uh, disease as well. Yes, uh, it's starting to come out and the evidence is building. Uh, and uh, there are some studies that demonstrate that exercise can have comparable effects as even as medication. So for instance, mm. there was one study where they demonstrated that exercise has, uh, has positive effects on depression and the remission rates uh, in, uh, with people with depression was equivalent to that of antidepressants. And mm. both of them were better than uh, CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm, wow. Right. So when you go to your doctor with depression, they're going to give you a med and they might refer you to do some CBT. Right. Well, there's a study that demonstrates that exercise helps, helps um, bring depression remission to the same degree as, as the antidepressants. So that's pretty uh, powerful. 
There's also a very interesting study where they got people to cycle for 12 months, and they compared the effects on the on the coronary on the arteries. Uh, they compared that to getting a stent, a surgery, mm. and the findings were very very interesting. The uh, exercise tolerance increased only in the exercise group, which kind of makes sense. The surgery group did not increase the exercise tolerance, and the cycling group had lower rates of disease com- uh, progression than even the uh, the group that had the surgery. So this is that was a really interesting study because when you think of the most powerful intervention that you could do on the human body, right? Most people would say like surgery, right? You're actually going in and like actually like really fixing the problem, right? But yet this study demonstrated that cycling had better outcomes than even surgery. So, uh, and these are just two examples, but uh, studies are coming out which demonstrates that exercise has as powerful effect many times uh, as uh, med- medications. So let's, uh, let's get practical here. So what is the minimum amount of physical activity that we need? Yeah, well, if we follow the Canadian Physical Activity Guidelines, and for our listeners, you can find those on the website of the Canadian Society for Exercise Physiology. Uh, it's www.csep.ca. And you can find the Canadian Physical Activity Guidelines there. And if you look at those guidelines, uh, they're very, uh, very simple, simply laid out. And it says that for adults, we need about 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity per week, um, which amounts to about 20 to 25 minutes per day. And is that aerobic or resistance training? This would be uh, 150 minutes of aerobic okay. uh, physical activity. Uh, they recommend on top of that that you should have two sessions per week, the minimum of resistance training. So like uh, lifting weights and things like that. And uh, how intense should this physical activity be? Yeah, so in those guidelines, they uh, the way that they describe moderate to vigorous is exercise that's enough, that's intense enough to make you sweat and to breathe, breathe harder. Mm. So if you're really not sweating or if you can keep on carrying a conversation while you're exercising, then that's probably more like in the light intensity range. But if you're kind of breathing a little bit harder, it's difficult to carry on a conversation and you're sweating, then that you're probably hitting moderate. And of course, vigorous is you know, like out of breath kind of thing. Right. So we want to stick in the moderate to vigorous range. So, you know, we want to be exercising with some intensity. It's not just going out for a stroll, even though that, that is great too, mm-hmm. right? But uh, in terms of some, the minimum exercise, physical activity we want to get, we want to uh, really get out there, get the heart going, get the uh, breathing going, the sweat, break the sweat, you know, this, this, type, of, this, this type of exercise. Great. All right. So let's end this episode with the third focus area of lifestyle medicine. What is this third area? Yeah, the third area is developing strategies to manage stress. So so this is an interesting one because, you know, some might think that stress is sort of just like a mental thing and why, you know, it doesn't really affect, you know, our physical health. Yeah, well, it's not just a mental thing. Uh, we We strongly believe that there's an intimate connection between the mind and our physical bodies. 
we believe that social, mental, spiritual, physical, these are all connected. And even physiologically, we know that this is the case. So for instance, when people are stressed, it's just not something that's happening in in some like nether region of your of your brain. It's a it's actual it's a physiological process that's happening. So when you're stressed, you actually start releasing stress hormones like cortisol, which mm-hmm. then has effects on your body physically. We know that stress, for instance, uh, suppresses your immune system or has suppressing effects on your immune system. An example would be uh, a patient that I had who had a condition called a lichen sclerosis. And that's a autoimmune condition where uh, there's a lot of itchiness and so forth. And uh, this person, when we were doing the intake, we found out that uh, she had a lot of stressors in her life. There was a lot of issues with the, in the marriage and so forth. And what she was telling me was that she noticed that the itchiness got worse when she was stressed. And mm-hmm. when those at times of less stress that it wouldn't itch and inflame as much. Mm, interesting. Right. So yeah, it's very interesting. So that'd be an example of the immune system kind of um, maybe going overdrive or it's being affected by the stress. And that tells you that there's a physiological process that's happening there, a link between the stress with something physically happening in the body, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's an example of, um, of how uh, stress can affect us physically and affect our health. Right. And not only that, when you're, when you're really stressed, it can also affect different behaviors. You might not feel like doing certain things that are good for you or engage in behaviors that are detrimental to our health. So there's that link as well. That's right, yeah. And you know, like other examples would be like irritable bowel syndrome, right? Many people today, they suffer from irritable bowel syndrome. And we know today that stress is is one of the um, one of the factors that play into irritable bowel syndrome. So can you share with us uh, very quickly some tips on how we can manage stress from a lifestyle medicine perspective? What are the ways to uh, manage stress in, in, a, in a positive way. Yeah, um, I guess it would be different for everyone, but some uh, good ideas is listening to relaxing, soothing music like classical music. Take a day off to de-stress and relax. Uh, we talked about the Santhi Adventists in the past and how they take one day as a Sabbath, right? So taking days off to relax and de-stress is important. Taking time for good, healthy recreation, going out in nature, exercising helps with dealing with stress. And also it's very important for people to deal with the root causes of stress. Look at, you know, why am I stressed? What's causing my stress? You know, sometimes it could be because we don't have good time management skills and we're always chronically late and things like that. And that's causing stresses in our life. So maybe it means that we have to start changing our habits right managing your time better uh, stressors could be caused by financial issues so uh, maybe getting some help with financial planning might be helpful it could be employment stress so i have a friend who is right now in the in the process of switching jobs because it's not it's not a very satisfying job and the work environment is very stressful so for the sake of his health he is uh, switching employment maybe uh, maybe Look, exploring that might be might be something that people have to look into. 
And also some find that tapping into our spiritual side helps as well, like prayer, meditation, reading devotional books, connecting with the spiritual community. These things also can be helpful as well. And what are some of the unhealthful ways that people cope with stress? Yeah, I think um, one way is like drinking alcohol. That's a really unhealthy way to deal with stress. Overeating on comfort foods. Mm. Uh, is that's a, a big one. Yeah, it's a, that's a big one. And I would encourage um, our listeners to f- uh, not resort to that, to find other avenues to deal with stress. Uh, Binge watching uh, movies excessive video games these kind of things aren't aren't the healthiest ways to deal with stress and uh in our next episode we'll be touching on substances so it'll be focused specifically on tobacco but we'll also be touching on alcohol and other uh uh, substance uh, abuse that is also another area of lifestyle medicine Great. So we've covered three of the six focus areas of lifestyle medicine. Again, uh, they were healthful eating of whole food, uh, whole plant-based foods, physical activity, and stress management. And in our next episode, we'll cover the three other focus areas, which are sleep, uh, again, avoiding risky substances, and having a strong uh, support system or social relationships so you won't want to miss it as always you can subscribe on apple Podcasts, itunes stitcher and google play music we also uploaded uh, all of our episodes onto youtube and share them on facebook and our twitter account uh, please also do leave us a review and we welcome your comments and suggestions as well so you've been listening to the lifestyle is medicine podcast thank you so much for tuning in we hope to see you next time